uh, powerful worship. Yeah, if you're in middle school, high school, or feel free to leave now and go to the next gen uh, across the hall there in the connection room. Yeah, it's a powerful time to go this morning. Uh, and I think the, the phrase that keeps coming through my mind in both services is, um, you are loved by God. That's who you are. And he's a good father because that's who he is. And uh, yeah, I, I think we can't get that enough, that you are loved by God. I feel like we all have our butts. Yeah, 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 but Rob, I got a, got a lot of anger. I don't think God loves and God says, oh, I, I love you with all of your anger. Now let's work on that together. Oh, I got a lot of addictions. I don't know. I don't think God loves me. God says, no, I love you with all of your addictions. Let's work on that together. You just are loved by God. And you can try to put a butt, a big old butt all you want, but it's uh, not going to change the fact that God loves you unconditionally. And so just know that this morning, and, uh, and we love you. Um, you know, I was thinking, too, the last couple of songs were talking about God being a good God and the goodness of God. We haven't done this in a little bit, but just where you sit, if you want to share just um, a quick word, is there something that you're thankful for God for this week? Um, feel free to share just where you sit. You can raise your hand or just blurt it out. What, somebody say something? No? I'm hearing things, all right. Yeah, anybody, something to thank for. What do you want to thank God for that God's been good this week? Yeah, Linda. Yeah, Linda says she wants to thank, thank God for being with her through some really hard times this past year. Yeah. Okay, what else are you thankful for? Yes. That's right. That's rough, DuPont. I couldn't see you back there. Yeah. One, yeah. <laughs> You're doing a real good job there, Ralph. Uh, yeah, thanks, Ralph. Thank, he's thankful for the Wednesday morning men's group. Yeah, Sammy. Yeah. Thanks. We love you too. Same as thing for church family. Yeah. Anybody else? Oh, Chris, are you just worshiping? Sorry. <laughs> You're worshiping. I thought your hand was up. Yes. Yeah. 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 Thanks, brother. That is powerful. Just the love of God. Yes, this is Sally's mom. Remind me of your first name. Jan. Jan, share with us. Sally's dad, Jan's husband, uh, had open heart surgeries, and there was some really miraculous things that took place. Um, and just the fact that he's doing well, was able to have the procedure, and is coming home today is a, a miracle. So we're thankful for that. Yeah. Anybody else? One more person. Yes. Oh, you're pointing at the ladybug. 
I know. Do not look at the ladybugs. They're everywhere. <laughs> Just kidding. You're going to be looking now. I know. Anybody else? One last person. Yes. Yeah, Pat. Wow, yeah, awesome, yes, a benign tumor that they thought was cancerous. All right, we'll do one more. Yes, back there. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Kelly, I couldn't see you back there, but I see, I hear you now. Yeah, thankful for God's faithfulness that he hears our prayers, absolutely. Let's pray one more time, and then uh, we'll, we'll jump at it here. God, thank you. Uh, we could go around and spend days of talking about how good you are to us. And yet, Father, the enemy likes to try to mess with us and uh, to make us think that you're not all that good. And I pray you just drop those lies and replace them with truth this morning, God. We pray that only uh, you allow in this time what you will allow. And so we ask that you take away anything that's not of you, any spirits that are not of you, um, any thoughts that are not of you, and just have your time with us this day. God, thanks for all that you're doing in our lives. And uh, we thank you for the great hope that you give us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we start our second week on this series of to love or to judge. And it's a real hard question. We're just supposed to judge a lot. That's what the Bible says. So, uh, <laughs> no, yeah, a couple of you. It wasn't that funny, I guess, really, honestly. Uh, uh, we're not to judge. That's not, not, don't judge people. But it's, uh, we started last week. We're going to look at specifically today about character, the character that we're forming. And then next week, we'll look at more of... Um, I think we're going to look more of the difference between judging and discernment because they're different. It can seem like judging, but discerning is different from judging. And there's a lot of nuances to this do not judge thing. But for today, we're going to talk one more time about love because I think until we experience the importance of love, then we'll understand why it's so important not to judge. But the love is the all or nothing thing in the Christian life. I said last week, that loving like God is both Christianity 101 and Christianity PhD because you never graduate from this. It's a, it's a lifelong process of learning to love like Jesus. But yet that's the call. And the definitions we used was to love is to ascribe worth to one to another at a cost to yourself. So I ascribe worth to someone else at a cost to myself. I think oftentimes when we look at Jesus, Jesus ascribed worth to us by giving his life. That's a perfect example. But even in your marriage, there are times where I ascribe worth to Jen at a cost to myself. Um, and she does the same. There are times where you set aside what you desire, what you want to be able to serve your spouse. And so um, it's a lifelong thing. But that's love. Ascribing worth to another at cost to yourself. Judgment is ascribing worth to oneself at cost of others. So, um, and we love this. We love to judge because we love to live in that comparison game. When we say, can you believe that person did that? They're so disgusting. That's a judgment. I'm ascribing worth to myself at a cost to them. They're so disgusting. They deserve hell. Whatever it is. I mean, we can think of a lot of things, but we love that because really all we're saying is they're terrible and I'm better. Isn't that so bad that they do that? And so when we judge, 
We're ascribing worth to ourselves because we want to make ourselves feel better at the cost of someone else. And that's what Jesus is talking about. The theme verses is Matthew 7, verses 1 through 3. And Jesus says this at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then he goes on to say, why do you look? This is a good question for all of us. Rob, church, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's or sister's eye and you pay no attention to the big plank or log in your own eye? Jesus says, don't do that. You know, I don't know how, how many pieces of dust there are in a big log, but that's what the funny part is. Jesus saying, like, you've got this big log, and you're looking at one little speck of, of the, you've got this entire log. You're looking at one little dust particle of your log and somebody else's and trying to look at that and figure that out. But a dust particle is so small, you can hardly see it. So Jesus said, don't do that. Worry about your own stuff. There's plenty there to worry about, which we'd all say, amen. There's plenty of my stuff to worry about without looking at your stuff. And so um, we're going to be looking at developing the character of love because it's the main thing. How do we develop the character of Christ-like love? Um, you've heard people say, man, they're full of integrity. And integrity, integrity just means they have integrated the principles that they believe with their lifestyle. They are living them out. Someone, someone says, man, I'm, I strive to be a loving person. And you look at their life like they are a loving person. That's a person of integrity because their life is integrating with their principles. Now, if someone is not very loving, they say, man, I just strive to be a loving person. And you don't see a lot of love. You would say, they don't seem to be a person of integrity because you don't see that lining up with the principles that they espouse. And so we're going to look at how do we become people of more integrity? Because here's the thing. I've mentioned this before, but it's so powerful. This is kind of the bottom line. Um, what we think upon is significant. It's huge. Because what we think upon leads to action and choices. And the choices that we make every day lead to habits. And those habits lead to character. And that character sets the direction for our life. And so, for instance, someone you might think, oh, lying to get what I want. It's just they're, they're white little lies. But here's what happens over time. You say a white little lie to get what you want. Okay. Um, then you say another one to get what you want. And it seems to work. Doesn't it? You see a lot of people doing that. Uh, and they say another white lie. After a while, your character has developed a habit of being a liar to get what you want. And that's what your character will be. And so you'll be people like, well, they told a lie. And you'll be like, I can believe that. <laughs> Why can you believe that? Because that's their character. Then you've got other people who are like, oh, they were lying about this and that. And you're like, what? They would never do that. That's just not their character. It's not that they couldn't. It's just that they made so many decisions and their decisions have become habits and their habits have become character. You don't believe that about them. That's what it does. And so the whole idea is for us to develop this character of Jesus. And look what Paul says. He's going to compare that here in just a second to an athlete. Um, but is it amazing when we want something, how disciplined we can be? Um, I can't remember, it, it, could be, it could be a purse, ladies. Uh, it, could be, uh, it could be shoes, 
guys, ladies. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I'll quit talking like that. So, uh, so I remember Jackson when he was younger. Uh, it seems like little boys, they all want these real expensive Nike shoes, Nike Air. And so he wanted these shoes. And I'm like, bud, you got to save up your money. I'll, I'll maybe pay half of it, but I'm not going to pay a full $200 for a pair of shoes. And so um, sure enough, he was d- disciplined enough to save up his money. And he was able to get those shoes. Um, when we want something, if we're dieting, we're disciplined, we can let stuff pass us by, we're, we're disciplined. We don't eat that cake, we don't eat the dessert, we're not going to eat the chips. We're very disciplined because we're trying to get a goal. Working out, maybe you're working out. Uh, my goal is as I get older, I was just telling Carolyn this, as I get older, I know my bone density decreases and my muscles get weaker. And so I'm like, hey, I just want to stay as strong and as healthy as I can. That's my goal. And so that requires discipline to do that. So Paul then is talking about an athlete, but he compares it to our Christian life. And this is significant. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it for, to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. He's comparing our walk with God to an athlete who gives their all for a temporary prize. Which he says, so then shouldn't we all give our all to this God and to this race that has a prize that will last forever and ever and ever. Like athletes in training to get a prize of staying in shape or staying stronger, um, even when it's hard and painful and your, your muscles are aching, you don't stop, you just keep going. And Paul's saying, don't stop when things get hard and situations are going, don't stop. You just got to keep going. And so we should keep strict training for there's this prize. And, and part of the prize is that it deepens our capacity to receive and reflect, reflect the love of God. Part of the prize is that having a character that looks more like Jesus. Part of the prize is knowing Jesus fully and completely. And so the goal of our life is to deepen the capacity of love, that we can experience the capacity of God's love so that we can reflect that God's love to others. And then Paul picks back up in Philippians 3, verses 10 through 14, he says this, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. I don't like that part. I I wanna know the power of the resurrection, but he wants to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul understood that if we're going to participate in the power of the resurrection, we have to be willing to participate in the suffering of Christ. A strict training that involves all this on our way to this prize. There's some times that things are going well, and there's some times that things aren't going so well. And in verse 12, he says this, I love that Paul says, it says, this godly man, not that I have already obtained all this, it's a lifelong process, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on 
to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. God has taken hold. God has grabbed Paul. And God is wanting to grab us, to take hold of us. And then Paul says this uh, in verse 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. That verse is always so powerful to me. Because I think that's where the enemy likes to get us in our lies. He likes to... to make us interpret all of our, misinterpret all of our past. So we bring it to our future and we've got all these strongholds and Paul's saying, what I do is I forget the past. Not that we can forget it, but we can be healed of the past and strain towards what's ahead for the prize in Christ Jesus. And I will say this because I think this is what the enemy likes us to do, likes for us to do. I would say this, I think it's only true that your greater days are still in front of you. Don't look back at the past. Don't worry about what has happened already. God is using, God can use all that if you allow him to make something good, but don't look at the past. Put it behind you and strain forward, Paul is saying here. And then, uh, did I finish that? Verse 434, did I finish all that? Uh, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So Christ wants to share his love with Paul. And uh, Paul says, yes, I want to go into strict training for that. Now, he knows that everything is only, uh, he's only going to be able to do that through the power of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's true for us. We can only love like Jesus because of the Holy Spirit living in us. But there is a role for us to play. It is only by the Holy Spirit. It's only by the grace of God. But there is a role for us to play, being willing to suffer and sacrifice and discipline ourselves in order to experience the character to look more like Jesus Christ, like an athlete in training. And if athletes are willing to train and discipline their bodies in order to get a medal or a prize that is temporary, how much more should we be willing to discipline ourselves in strict training for this prize that will last forever and ever and ever? But it all starts with thoughts. Um, thinking, loving thoughts. It was so funny. I was trying to be aware this week of my judgmental thoughts. And there were several times I felt the Holy Spirit, a couple of times when I was driving. And, um, you know, they're, they're just quick thoughts. Like people driving seemingly reckless in my mind. And I was like, you idiot. You idiot. And, and the Holy Spirit said, Rob, you just called them an idiot. <laughs> Well, they are. No, it's like, I oh, know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then there's been a couple of people, whether it's on social media or just names pop up or you see people and there were some thoughts right away that went to certain things. And the Holy Spirit said, Rob, you just judged them. I'm like, oh, shoot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. Um, it just happens a lot. But it starts with our thoughts, having loving thoughts. Because if we have loving thoughts, then what's going to come out? Our loving choices and decisions. And those decisions over time will develop habits, and those habits will become our character. Um, the example is, um, is like a water that's flowing over a cliff. And as the water constantly flows down a cliff, it gets these ridges in the, in the cliff. 
And every time that water comes down, it just deepens the ridge and deepens the ridge. And so as water falls down and the ridge gets deeper, it's only natural that the water is going to flow through the ridge instead of anywhere else. And so that's the whole point of our lives. May we live in such a way that our thoughts and our decisions become habits. And all you're doing after all, it's no longer just about being people who choose to love, but now we're loving people. Because that water, we just keep making the same decisions and habits and character, and it forms the character to now we're just loving people. That's what we do. I used the example in the first service of of a spouse that is faithful to their spouse. Now, you know that's an intentional decision, and you know that there are boundaries and, uh, and, and, and guardrails that you put around yourself so that you will stay faithful. And early on, it might be, might be tricky, maybe not. But after so many years of choosing to be faithful, you've kind of solidified this character. And if you were to say, man, did you hear so-and-so? That, they, were, they had an affair. And you're like, no. It's not that that person can't choose to have an affair. It's just they've made so many intentional decisions. Their character is not to have an affair. There's a freedom in that. And um, versus the person who choose to have an affair and it's probably more tempting now for them to see somebody else and have an affair because that's the choice that they were making. So it just starts with thoughts, moves to choices, develops habits, and becomes our character. And that's the whole point of the church. The central point of the church is to create a group of loving people, to be a community of loving people. And sometimes people say, well, Rob, I think it's the It's to make disciples. It is, but that's only because we love God that we make disciples. It's not our call first to make disciples. The call is to love God. And as you love God, you will naturally love other people and want them to come into a relationship with Jesus. So there are certainly other things that we do that are important, but this is the number one thing as I mentioned last week. It is the center of life. It's the center of church. It is the center of the Christian faith to become as Christ-like as we possibly can become. It starts with our thoughts. Those thoughts set the direction that lead to our actions that become habits and set the direction of our life. Uh, Parents. One of the things, as Brent was talking about fathers, um, one of the most important things you can offer your kids, you can offer them a lot of good things, Um, But one of the most important things you can offer your kids is not music lessons or sports um, or chess club or extracurricular activities, but it is teaching them and helping them to develop to love like Jesus and love their enemies like Jesus. Above all else. The other things are important. None of those things are bad. But the most important thing you can do is offer them of what it looks like to love like Jesus. Look how important this is to Paul. This is a familiar passage to many. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 through 3. Paul's saying this. These are all very miraculous gifts here. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels. So he's saying, if I speak in tongues, which we believe is a spiritual gift. If I speak in tongues, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm just a big noisemaker. If I do that great thing, but don't have love. Um, If I have the gift of prophecy, 
If I can speak the word of God and people are convicted and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, I'm just this great professor of wisdom and I can explain the Trinity to a four-year-old, that's how good I am. And if I have a faith that can move mountains, I'm so, so gifted in faith and I can go and just believe God and trust God and heal people in the hospital, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. You can do all this great spiritual stuff. With these, these are all great things. But he says, but if it, the ulterior motive is not love, it's good for nothing for you. Then in the Bible, it talks about this. This is an important piece. Um, Paul is, it's pretty radical here, this love thing. Because in the scriptures, it talks about at some point facing the judgment seat of Christ, that we, our real selves, will be before God in a judgment seat, um, and there will be this judgment going on. And Paul talks about it, describes that love as a kind of fire. It's a kind of fire. And this fire, however it's done, the Bible doesn't speak a whole lot to it, this fire will burn off anything that is inconsistent with the character of Jesus. Matter of fact, that's the whole, the whole point of life. I think God is constantly purifying us. Hey, this doesn't look like my son. Hey, Rob, you're doing this, that's not godly. You're doing this, that's not godly. Get rid of that stuff. Let me purify that. So at this judgment seat, anything that's not consistent with the love of God, it's like wood, hay, or stubble, the Bible says, it will be burned up. But anything that is consistent with the character and love of God it will be purified like gold or silver and it will be, it will be purified, it will be saved. Um, but for those who are in Jesus, the foundation is Jesus, but what do you build on that foundation? Because what you build on that foundation will either be purified or will be burned up. And so um, if you have built your life on a self-centered lifestyle and devoid of love for others, then you will suffer great loss because none of that is of God. But if you have built what, your life upon what is compatible to the life of God and of the love of Jesus, then you will be purified like precious stones by the fire of God. God is always trying to burn stuff off of us that is not of him. And so um, our, our, our motive is to pay close attention to how we're thinking and how we're acting and decisions that we are making. And know that there is a reward that is there for us. So may we live in such a way that we are disciplined in what we think about and how we act and make decisions and uh, the habits that we form. Um, there's an acronym I want to share with us. This will be the application part of the message. Um, there's an acronym that's not unique to me. I stole this from another, uh, another source. It's the acronym GAP, G-A-P just like the old clothing store. Are they still around? Is Gap store? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Shelly works for Gap Outlet. That's right, Shelly. Thank you. Uh, so the acronym Gap. So here are three practices that will help us um, to be where God has created us to be versus where we are currently. There's usually a gap there. To be who God really has created me to be and where I am, there may be a gap. And so these are three disciplines that help us close that gap. And so the first one is this. The G stands for get all our life from Christ. 
Get all of our life from Christ. This one's so important. If we're not getting, if I'm not getting all of my worth and value and significance from Jesus, then I'm not really being filled in my life. Because if I'm not being filled by Jesus, I'm looking to be filled in some other way. And usually that's by other people. And that never goes well, although we all try it all the time. I try it, you try it, all God's people try it. But it does not go. So if we're trying to get filled up by other people, then oftentimes we're trying to get people to think, to look at us like, look how successful I am. Look how great I am. Look how pretty and sexy I am. Look how whatever, smart I am. Just look at me. And we're trying to get filled up by, by doing this for other people, and it just doesn't fill us up. We're either living life out of a center of celebration or a center of desperation. And when we get all of our life from Jesus, it is a center of celebration. But when I'm feeling desperate, I'm going to try to grasp getting my life from other areas. And so recognizing that all of my worth is in Jesus, he makes me valuable and he gives my life value in the kingdom. Let me find all my value from Jesus. So here's the application for that. How do you get all of your life for Jesus? Um, you got it. We got to spend time with him. So this week, carve out some time to spend with Jesus. It's just like being married. A couple's not going to be very strong if they don't spend much time together. Same with Jesus. If we don't spend much time with Jesus, we're not going to be that strong in our relationship. So spend time this week letting Jesus love on you. What does that look like, Rob? I don't even know what that means. What? For me, a lot of times it is through imagination. There are sometimes I will just imagine, um, sometimes when I'm worshiping, I'll imagine God or Jesus coming and just standing by me in worship. Sometimes I imagine like I used to do with my dad when I was little. Sometimes I'll imagine just um, sitting in Jesus' lap and let him love on me and let him tell me what Brent was talking about, telling me how much he loves me and how proud he is of me and how worthy I am to him. Like, let him love on you, whatever that looks like for you. You're like, well, that don't work for me. Well, figure out something. To, maybe it's just going on a walk. And as you walk, being aware of the presence of God and what God says about you, just let Jesus love on you so you can get your life from Christ. The A is agree with God about this unsurpassable worth of everyone. So we talked about that. The only opinion we're allowed to have about people is that they are loved and have an unsurpassable worth in God's eyes. They are loved by God and they have unsurpassable worth. I don't like what they're doing. It's not your job. Your job is to believe and agree with God that they have unsurpassable worth. See, God loves all. We, we can pick and choose like, yeah, but what about, what about so-and-so? What about so-and-so? Um, but God's love is unconditional, as we said earlier. If it wasn't, if God loves some of us more than others, then there would be surpassable worth. Some of us would be worth more than others, but that's not the love of God. The love of God says, I love everyone unconditionally. That means there is unsurpassable worth in every human being. So may we agree with God that every human being has unsurpassable worth. And uh, that's the challenge. The challenge is to remember that so that when you are around and in the road on driving and when you're driving or um, when you're at the grocery store pumping gas at the gas station, just really, as I mentioned last week, 
be just thinking about at the gym. Still, I get these judgmental thoughts at the gym. Like, who does he think he is? You know? And I'm like, Rob, why do you do that? Um, be aware. Like, no, no, no. And there's been several times like, pray for them right now. Don't judge them. Pray for them right now. And then automatically, I just start praying for them. Changes my, changes my whole everything. So may we just be praying for people. Be, become blessing machines. And then really look for opportunities that we can express blessing someone. Maybe it's just opening the door for them. Maybe it's getting a garbage can for them if they can't take it out and back on their own. Maybe it's getting them groceries. Maybe it's mowing their lawn. I don't know. But look for ways you can just express the way that you want to bless them. Um, I remember when I took my brother to Mayo Clinic in, in Wisconsin a few months ago, we were at Dunkin' Donuts, and I was rolling him in a wheelchair, and we had our stuff, and some lady left the line. She said, oh, let me get the door for you. She left the line and opened the door for us to move out. She goes, you all have a blessed day. And just that little interaction blessed our day. It doesn't have to be big. Just how can we bless people? Because everybody has unsurpassable worth in the eyes of God. The P is this, pray for our enemies. Now, this one's hard because let's just be honest. We don't like to pray for enemies. We like to hate our enemies, right? That's just what we do. We like, and we get off on that. Like, we like to hate our enemies. There's something that feels good about that. And Jesus would come along and says, I know, Rob, but if you want to have the discipline to love like me, it's got to start here. And you've got to love those who persecute you and love those who are your enemies. Again, it doesn't mean that you have to be best friends with them. It doesn't even mean that you have to have a relationship with them. That's not what this means. It means that you need to pray for them, though. We don't have the luxury as followers of Jesus to hate people. That's not what followers of Jesus do. We don't hate people. And so pray for our enemies. Maybe think of one or two people you don't like or you despise or they just disgust you, whatever you want to say, and just pray for them. Here's what will happen. It's like an athlete in strict training. You know, you remember when you first start working out, like, oh, my gosh, it's just, it's hard, and you can't do it very well, and you're sore. And then after about a month, you're like, oh, gosh, I'm not as sore, and I'm doing a lot more than I started out with. It's the same thing Paul said. Hey, listen, get all your life from Jesus. Spend some time with Jesus this week. Let him love on you. And as you do that on your way, Agree with God that everyone has unsurpassable worth and bless them. And while you're doing that, pray for your enemies. Pray for the people who you just can't stand. And as you keep doing that, your mind, that's why the Bible talks so much about our mind, transforming our mind. As you do that, your mind will begin to think of lovely thoughts. You'll begin to make decisions that are blessing people. And you will begin to make decisions that become habits. And before long, you'll have the character of someone who is a very loving person who looks like Jesus because you've intentionally done the things that he's asked us to do. So that's, uh, that's the goal. In time, we'll start making these choices um, and it'll start forming our character. And for those of you who are already doing that and you, you've got a great solid character that looks like Jesus, keep on keeping on because it's a lifelong process. And so um, let's pray, and then we'll close out with a song. God, we thank you for your great love for us. Father, thank you um, that you give us your Holy Spirit, because we can't do this by ourselves, God. Um, would you continue to make this church, this community of faith,
um, a group of the most loving people on earth. Um, God, would you continue to help us to burn away the stuff that's not of you and continue to walk in the areas that are of you. Thank you for being patient with me on that. We pray you continue to purify us, God. Ultimately help us to be in strict training because we want a prize that will last forever and ever and ever. And we know that love is the only thing that carries from this world to the next. So may you continue to help us to look more and more like your son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. There'll be prayer ministers on each side of the stage if you want to come up and pray or if you want to pray on your own. Uh, but let's just close out by worshiping to this song. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's sing it together. Terry, I forgot Philippians 4.8. We'll close on this verse right here if you don't mind to throw it up there for us. This is uh, what Paul encourages us, and I'll just read this. Do you see it back there, Philippians 4, 8? Sorry, I'm throwing this on you last minute. This is exciting. Isn't everybody just looking up here? Nothing. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Let me see. Yeah. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.